Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together, we can make a difference. They was running the show, raising the taxes because they needed the dough. A reign of terror took over the land. They were shaking down the people just to beat the band. I said, hey. Hey. I said, hey. Hey. I said, hey. hey. The people weren't happy. Morale was low. They had no place to turn to. There was nowhere to go. They needed a hero, but no one could be found because Robin Hood was out of town. I said, hey. hey. I said, hey. hey. I said, hey. He was put into the slammer by his Arab foe, and in a little while, he would be no more. I said, hey. hey. I said, hey. hey. I said, hey. everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama episode 95, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. Just putting my English accent on for the occasion and saying a very warm welcome to you all. I hope you're all keeping safe and well. And as always, welcome back to all returning listeners. And if you are a brand new listener, then I hope that you'll enjoy this Merry Men... God, that was a really bad pun. <laughs> so sorry. I'm clearly not Mel Brooks. But as I say, uh, you are very welcome here, whether you're a returning listener or a new listener. There is always lots going on at Verbal Diorama. Uh, there is episodes every week, if that is the sort of thing that you're into. Patrons have actually just found out what the 100th episode is going to be, because it's only five episodes away. There was much excitement about that. There's also, I'm working on a brand new sister podcast called Rotoscoperama. And I'm also working on still an exclusive episode just for patrons, which is going to be on WandaVision. And I'm hoping, I haven't set a date, but I'm hoping 
the first or second week in June, WandaVision will be available and that will be available for all patrons of Verbal Diorama, whether you're on the lowest tier or the highest tier. We have no one on the highest tier, but regardless of what tier you're on, you will get that episode. Um, and I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who reached out following Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was episode 93, because that episode just really kind of blew up a little bit. People really, really love Indiana Jones. I'll be honest, I can't say I've planned any more of his adventures in the Verbal Diorama schedule, but there's always a possibility that he may return at some point in the future, whether that's for Temple of Doom or whether that's for The Last Crusade, who knows? I suppose technically I should do Temple of Doom, but I much prefer The Last Crusade. So anyway, moving on. So we're going to jump straight into Robin Hood Men in Tights. And obviously Robin Hood, he's a cultural icon, he's a social avenger, and he wears tights. Are we sure he's not a social media influencer? Hmm. Here's the trailer for Robin Hood Men in Tights. 20th Century Fox presents the motion picture event of the summer. The summer of 1125 A.D. That's him! Robin Hood! Good evening. The Hoods from the Woods are back. Yo, yo, yo! Check it out! Little John. Ow! Prince John. More bubbles. Oh, yes, now it's happening. The Sheriff of Rottingham. I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> I accept. Maid Mary. A chastity belt? It's an everlast. And a Rabbi Tuckman. Hello, boys. He's the first action hero. And white men can't jump. And the last word in comedy. <laughs> Why should the people listen to you? Because, unlike some other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. Robin Hood, men in tights. A Mel Brooks film. Yes! The legend had it coming. Robin of Loxley, the most skilled archer in all of England, has just returned after fighting in the Holy Crusades, being imprisoned and swimming home. Before he leaves, his cellmate, a sneeze, asks him to take care of his son, Achu, an exchange student in England. Upon returning home, Robin finds that much of what he knew of England has gone to ruin, including his longtime family home having literally been carted away by order of the Sheriff of Rottingham and Prince John. To avenge his stolen land and the people... Robin recruits a band of merry men, Blinkin, his blind servant, Achu, the son of a sneeze, Little John, who can't swim, and Will Scarlet O'Hara, Scarlet's his middle name. Robin falls in love at first sight with the glamorous maid Marion, a ward of Prince John. Marion is looking for the man who has the figurative and literal key to unlock her heart and other things. <laughs> Let's quickly go through the cast of this movie. We have Carrie Elwes as Robin Hood, Richard Lewis as Prince John, Roger Rees as the Sheriff of Rottingham, Amy Yazbek as Maid Marian, Dave Chappelle as Achu, Mark Blankfield as Blinkin, 
Eric Allen Kramer as Little John, Matthew Peretta as Will Scarlett O'Hara, Isaac Hayes as A Sneeze, Tracy Ullman as Latrine, Patrick Stewart as King Richard, Dom de, Dom de Luis as Don Giovanni, Megan Kavanagh as Brumhilda, and of course Mel Brooks as Rabbi Tuckman. The screenplay for the movie was by Mel Brooks, Evan Chandler and J. David Shapiro. The story was by Evan Chandler and J. David Shapiro and it was directed by Mel Brooks. So everyone, I think, knows the classic tales of the outlaw Robin Hood, a highly skilled archer and swordsman, usually of noble birth. Usually he'd left to fight in the Crusades, only to return and find his lands taken by the Sheriff of Nottingham. Throughout the many stories of him robbing the rich to feed the poor, he gained a love interest, made Marion, a band of friends, his merry men, and the antagonistic Sheriff of Nottingham and Prince John, usurper of the throne of England from King Richard. He's been featured many, many times in Hollywood takes on his story. It's still not known whether he did actually exist, but there are references to historical figures who have similar names. But the earliest surviving text featuring the character is the 15th century ballad, Robin Hood and the Monk. And since Robin Hood is a public domain character, there are no restrictions on the use of that character. And so there are lots of Robin Hood based entertainment out there. I'm not going to list them all because there's just too many, but there is at least five live action theatrical shorts, 28 live action feature films, of which this is one, three director video live action films, five television films, eight live action TV series, including the excellent Maid Marian and Her Merry Men, which I implore you to check out if you love this movie because you will love Maid Marian and Her Merry Men. Eight animated theatrical shorts, one animated theatrical feature, which is Disney's version of Robin Hood. Six animated television films, one animated director video film and six animated television films. One of those animated movies was released by Walt Disney in 1973. As I said, I've already covered it. But out of all of those anniversary Disney movies, it was by far the most popular and most well received uh, that I covered because people love Robin Hood. He's an outlaw, but he's a hero of the people. And of course, the legend was ripe for parody. But our story doesn't start in the 90s. It actually starts in the mid-70s with a TV sitcom created in 1975 called When Things Were Rotten. When Things Were Rotten was a parody of the tales of Robin Hood. It starred Dick Gautier in the title role. It contained sight gags, literal humour and one-liners. And despite critical acclaim... The show was cancelled. After just 13 episodes, it was actually replaced by The Bionic Woman, which was obviously a huge hit. Dick Van Patten, who plays the abbot in Men of Tights, also played Friar Tuck in When Things Were Rotten, as well as King Roland in Spaceballs. And that's obviously Mel Brooks' 1987 spoof of Star Wars. When Things Were Rotten was created by Norman Stiles, John Bonney, and of course Mel Brooks. Brooks, I feel, needs little introduction He's one of very few EGOT winners, which means he has an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony. He's also a World War II veteran. He's known for his parodies and comedies, including three of the American Film Institute's top 100 comedy films of the past 100 years, Blazing Saddles, The Producers and Young Frankenstein. You'll notice Robin Hood Many Tights is not on that list, 
But despite when things were rotten's cancellation in 1975, he clearly had a passion for taking the mick out of the Robin Hood legend. He'd get his push in 1991 when Robin Hood Prince of Thieves was released. And it's very clear that a lot of the parody in Men in Tights is squarely aimed at Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. So if you don't know, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves was the second highest grossing film of 1991. It gave us one of the most memorable Alan Rickman for... Alan Rickman performances of all time. The theme song by Brian Adams, Everything I Do, I Do It For You, not only received an Oscar nomination, but also spent 16 consecutive weeks at number one here in the UK. That is still the longest uninterrupted number one single. Simply put, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was a phenomenon, but it was also known for not being particularly faithful to the legend. Kevin Costner didn't wear tights and neither did he sound like an Englishman. When it came to Robin Hood Men in Tights and what it took to get it off the ground initially, we actually have to go to a celebrity dentist. Uh, a celebrity dentist who'd also have links to Michael Jackson, but I'm going to come back to that. So Evan Chandler was a Beverly Hills dentist who worked on the Hollywood Smiles of the Rich and Famous. His son Jordan, after watching Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, told his father that a spoof of Robin Hood would probably be fun. And Evan Chandler, who was a budding screenwriter, put together a pitch for a parody of the Robin Hood legend. One of his dental clients was Hollywood screenwriter J. David Shapiro. And during an appointment, Chandler pitched the idea to Shapiro. Together, they wrote a screenplay which was picked up by Mel Brooks. Brooks took ideas from When Things Were Rotten and revised the story into what would become Robin Hood Men in Tights. But what about Michael Jackson, I hear you say? Well, Evan Chandler would go on to accuse Michael Jackson of sexually abusing his son Jordan, aka Geordie Chandler, in 1993 and file a lawsuit against Jackson for sexual battery, seduction, willful misconduct, intentional infliction of emotional distress, fraud and negligence. And this all occurred a few months after Robin Hood Men in Tights was released in the US. Needless to say, Robin Hood Men in Tights was the first and last screenplay Evan Chandler was ever involved with. J. David Shapiro, meanwhile, would go on to write none other than Battlefield Earth. And I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> I'm not going to comment further on that. For this version of Robin Hood to work, they needed to cast Robin Hood. Early in the process, Mel Brooks wanted Carrie Elwes. Not only did he have the swashbuckling experience from The Princess Bride, episode 60 of this podcast, uh, as well as the dashing good looks that you would expect for Robin Hood. But they had actually met at a screening for The Princess Bride, with Brooks actually complimenting Elwes on that movie. Fast forward a few years and Carrie Elwes gets a call from a guy claiming to be Mel Brooks. He thought it was a prank, so he hung up. Brooks called him back saying, don't hang up, it's really me, and proceeded to tell Elwes about a Robin Hood comedy he was putting together and would he be interested in talking about it? Elwes was a massive fan of Brooks and so signed up to the project immediately. Kerry Elwes would go on to call every day on the set of Men in Tights a joyful experience. So clearly he had a lot of fun with this role. I think it's very clear from watching him. Elwes would also help Brooks in the casting of the role of Achu, both selecting 19-year-old Dave Chappelle, who was an up-and-coming comedian who worked the New York comedy circuit, Chappelle's performance belies his youth. Even I was surprised. Even I was surprised that he was only 19 when he made this movie. And it's actually got some startling social commentary as well. When the first time you see Achu, he's obviously a young black man being beaten up by 
what is essentially the police in this movie, aka the King's Guards, which I never noticed before, but I really did notice it now. Anyway, wrestler Hulk Hogan was offered the role of Little John, but turned it down to play Mr. Nanny. The role eventually went to Eric Alan Kramer, who, interestingly, was also the first actor to play Thor in live action in the 1988 TV movie, The Incredible Hulk Returns, which I'm pretty sure I've seen, actually. But to be fair, Eric Alan Kramer, huge guy, and he's got blonde hair, so yeah, I can see that. Matthew Peretta was cast as Will Scarlet O'Hara, and he actually went on to play Robin Hood in TNT's The New Adventures of Robin Hood in 1997. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention in this cast that the late, great Sean Connery had already been in 1976's Robin and Marion, as well as playing King Richard in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He wanted to reprise his role of King Richard in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, while wearing drag, but he also wanted $1 million to do that. Brooks ended up refusing, and we ended up with Patrick Stewart doing his best Sean Connery impression. While this Robin Hood does speak with an English accent, unlike Prince of Thieves, none of Men in Tights was actually filmed in the UK. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves was primarily shot at locations across England, including in Northumberland, Yorkshire, Wiltshire and Hampshire, with a few locations in France. Robin Hood, Men in Tights was shot in Santa Monica, California, with one of the locations in the Santa Monica Mountains being where the Douglas Fairbanks 1921 Robin Hood movie was also shot, as well as 1938's The Adventures of Robin Hood. So while the area does have Robin Hood pedigree, you've kind of got to give a plus one to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves for at least trying to show the English countryside, even if none of it was shot anywhere near Sherwood Forest, which is Nottinghamshire, by the way, obviously. Makes sense, doesn't it? When you think of the Sheriff of Nottingham, uh, <laughs> Sherwood Forest is indeed in Nottinghamshire. But regardless, the actors did attend a sword fighting boot camp where they would come in at weekends to train with fencing coordinator Victor Paul. He's a stuntman who's worked on likes of the Goonies, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, and Mystery Men. Also done an episode on that, it's episode 23. Obviously, Carrie Elwes had previous fencing experience from The Princess Bride, so only needed to learn the routines rather than learn how to fence. But, as this was Robin Hood, he's not only known for his sword fighting prowess, but also his archery, and Carrie Elwes hadn't actually learned archery. He trained with a bow and arrow, and Brooks pressured him for that elusive bullseye. He had three takes to get the bullseye, and he got it on the third take. Richard Lewis, who plays the neurotic American Prince John, became sick with hepatitis A towards the end of filming and ended up in hospital with one scene left to film. He had a fever of 41 degrees Celsius, that's 106 Fahrenheit, and with one scene left, one scene left Mel Brooks devised a plan to take Lewis from his hospital bed, stretcher him to set, prop him up against a plank of wood so he could perform the scene, and then stretcher him back to hospital. Needless to say, that didn't end up happening, despite Mel Brooks calling him about 15 more times. One of the most famous lines in the movie, and I've referenced it a couple of times already, is when Robin references that, unlike other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. <laughs> so that's my impression of Carrie Elwes doing it. And this is one of many digs at the expense of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and specifically Kevin Costner. The gag didn't translate well to other countries, though, so it was changed depending on where the movie was shown. But all of them still ripped on Costner. So in Germany, it was changed to, because I, unlike some other Robin Hoods, do not cost the producers five million. 
And that was obviously a dig at Costner's salary. In Italy and France, it became, because unlike other Robin Hoods, I do not dance with the wolves. Obviously, based on Kevin Costner's dances with wolves. In Quebec, Canada, it was because unlike other Robin Hoods, I accept to wear tights, something Costner famously refused to do for Prince of Thieves. And in Hungary, the gag became, because unlike Kevin Costner, I have a shapely bottom, which referenced the fact that Costner demanded a butt double for the naked waterfall scene in Prince of Thieves. Asking Costner to cameo in Robin Hood Men in Tights was considered, and it probably would have been fun, actually, to see Carrie Elwes's Robin square off with Kevin Costner's Robin. But considering the production goes quite a way out of its way to make fun of Kevin Costner, it's probably a good idea that they didn't bother in the end. And admittedly, this is a movie that relies on you having seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, especially the way certain characters are set up or acted. Latrine is a good example of this, being the comedic version of Morciana. And Roger Rees plays his Sheriff of Rottingham in a similar vein to Alan Rickman's Sheriff of Nottingham, except he's more lusty. In fact, most people in this movie are quite lusty. The scene where Latrine seduces, and I use that in inverted commas, the sheriff was completely improvised. And I actually found out that it's not a polo mint that Latrine gives the sheriff to cure him. It's something called a lifesaver. And it's an American version of that mint, which actually predates polo mints, which I was shook when I found this out because here in the UK, polo mints are a bit of a British tradition. Everyone knows what a polo mint is and a polo mint is always the mint with a hole. And so to find out that there was another mint with a hole that came out before polo mints, I, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And <laughs> I mean, I really like this movie, genuinely. I wouldn't cover it if I didn't like it. And I'm going to get to critics' responses in a little bit, but I think it's safe to say that not many people do like this movie. I think this movie is hilarious. I don't care if it's not one of Mel Brooks' best. I still find it incredibly memorable. And sometimes you just really appreciate a rubbish parody. <laughs> Especially when the Robin Hood movies that came after. So in 2010, we got a Russell Crowe Robin Hood. And in 2018, we got a Taron Egerton Robin Hood. They were quite serious retellings. And I'll be the first to admit, I did not like that Russell Crowe Robin Hood movie at all. But it's worth adding that Russell Crowe really likes this movie. And he was in The Nice Guys. And he gets serious credibility for being in that movie. So I'm just going to say, if you haven't seen The Nice Guys, uh, it's so much fun. And Russell Crowe is hilarious in that movie. So that's episode 52 of this podcast, by the way. Speaking of celebrity links, uh, let's move on to the obligatory Keanu reference. So this is a part of the podcast where I try to link the movie that I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves. And I actually found a true story on the internet from Twitter. I mean, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But the, the person said it was true. It's a user called at Edilardis who says, I worked at a movie theatre showing Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Keanu walked in with friends, was very nice, then walked out about 40 minutes into the movie. He was 100% right. That movie doesn't get any better. And so based on that experience of Keanu Reeves not liking Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I think we can state for the record that Keanu prefers Robin Hood Men in Tights. And that's the link that I'm going with. Clearly, Keanu's a fan of this movie. Uh, <laughs> at least I hope he is. 
So let's talk about the music because this is a movie that features quite a lot of music and all of the songs except for The Night Is Young and You're So Beautiful were written by Mel Brooks himself. The singing voices for Robin and Marion were Arthur Rubin and Debbie James. None of the actors did their own singing. The song The Night Is Young and You're So Beautiful was actually first performed in 1937 by Everett Marshall and written and written by Billy Rose and Irving Carhill. So when Robin Hood Men in Tights was released in July 1993, it entered and peaked at number two in the US box office. Number one that week was Rising Sun. This was also around the time of Jurassic Park's dominance. Jurassic Park had already been out for eight weeks, but was still sat at number five in the US box office behind Free Willy. While Jurassic Park climbed to four the following week, Men in Tights fell to number seven. Basically, Jurassic Park stayed pretty stagnant in that top five for a while and then Men in Tights basically continued to tumble down the charts. But bearing in mind that Robin Hood Men in Tights was made on a $20 million budget and it would go on to make $67 million at the international box office. So it's definitely not a flop. It definitely made its money back. But because this was a Mel Brooks comedy, I think maybe expectations were slightly higher on its success. The movie does joke about coming back for Robin Hood 2. I mean, spoiler alert, that did not happen. And while financially it was kind of did okay, critically it was savaged by Gene Siskel, who gave it half a star out of four and called it a most disappointing Mel Brooks parody. Other critics called it crashingly unfunny and pointless. Some did like it. It has a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, as well as many actually seeing it as a cult classic nowadays. And despite this lukewarm reception, Men in Tights and Spaceballs, actually, would go on to both become Mel Brooks's most successful releases on VHS and DVD. And as I said, many now cite Robin Hood Men in Tights as a cult classic. And many actually think that it's one of Brooks's best films. I mean, I certainly don't think it's up there with the likes of Blazing Saddles or, or anything like that. And I'll admit, I've not seen every Mel Brooks movie. I have seen this a lot and I have seen Spaceballs a lot. And I guess with Robin Hood Men in Tights and Spaceballs, they were kind of the movies that came out when I was a kid. So they were the movies that we saw on like VHS tapes and we saw on TV. So I guess that's why I have this kind of love and respect and adoration for Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights. I will fully appreciate that they are not overall the best comedies in the world. But like I say, I have a lot of fondness for this movie. It makes me laugh genuinely every time. And weirdly, I've watched this, I've watched this movie so many times and I still find new things to laugh at. That is something I think, when you're talking about comedy that you've seen quite a lot of times since childhood. So, as I said, there is no Robin Hood 2 Electric Boogaloo. I bet the villagers are pleased about that, though, because their village isn't going to get burned down again. Mel Brooks would direct one more comedy film after this, which was Dracula Dead and Loving It in 1995. He would also write and produce the remake of The Producers in 2005. He also continued with voice acting work in animated movies like Robots, Hotel Transylvania 2 and 3, and Toy Story 4. He also worked on an animated sequel to Spaceballs in 2008. Most recently, he voiced the character Shogun in Blazing Samurai. Blazing Samurai is a CG animated movie inspired by Blazing Saddles, which is actually due to be released this year. 
Mel Brooks is 94 years old and still a legend, a bit like Robin Hood, actually, in many ways, apart from the stealing from the rich to feed the poor. I don't know if Mel Brooks does that, <laughs> but considering what a guy he is, I, I assume that he does. Let's move over to social media thoughts. So we will start, as always, with the wonderful patrons of Verbal Diorama. So we will actually start not with Andy from Geek Salad, but we're going to start with Mike from Geek Salad for a change, because honestly, Mike got in there first. And he says, Well, still a funny movie overall, especially thanks to the ridiculously talented Carrie Ellsworth and Mark Blankfield's blinking, a lot of the jokes feel stale. Particularly painful to watch is Roger Reese's sheriff, who feels the need to force every joke he has, and they all fall completely flat. Tracy Ullman feels terribly wasted as well. Dave Chappelle does a good job with what he's given, but he deserves better. While not nearly as bad as what followed it, Mel Brooks feels like he lost the magic he had wielded so deftly in the 70s. Does Andy from Geek Salad think any differently? Let's find out. He says, While Mel Brooks is possibly one of the best comedic minds in film history, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles are brilliant pieces of satire. By the time the 80s rolled round, his films found more influence in the vein of the Zucker Abrams Zucker airplane parodies. While that style of comedy has found a place for it in Brooks' later films, High Anxiety and Silent Movie, the gags and puns started to overtake the wit of parody in movies like Spaceballs, Yeah, I Said It, and Robin Hood. A film that would have shown quite a bit of promise as a 70s parody, it just comes across as forced, generally unfunny, and a bit cringeworthy. Sorry, Mel. Ooh, okay. So, <laughs> Geek Salad. I'm not saying everyone on Geek Salad is not a fan, but Andy and Mike from Geek Salad are clearly not fans of this particular movie. However, regardless of what they think about this movie, you should definitely listen to Geek Salad. They literally are the premier geek podcast. They cover all sorts of topics under the sun. They cover movies, music, TV, video games, snacks. I mean, literally, there's nothing that they don't cover. They may even wear tights while they record. I'm not certain. I don't know this for a fact. I have been on Geek Salad actually a couple of times and I have seen video of these guys but I don't know if they wear tights. But you know real men do wear tights so I'm assuming that while Mike and Andy were writing these comments they were sitting there wearing their tights with pride. Right let's move over to Twitter and uh, and to be completely honest this is the first time in a very very long time that there's more comments that aren't on Twitter than are on Twitter. And it's really interesting, actually, because I know a lot of people were really excited uh, about a Robin Hood Men in Tights episode, um, but those people obviously didn't choose to comment. So we only have one comment on Twitter, and that is from the Cooking with Grief podcast, at Cooking with Grief, who say, I think it might actually have been the first Robin Hood film I saw, definitely the one I've watched most. Mel Brooks is this podcast's comedy hero. Between us, we could probably act out the whole film. And that is the only comment on Twitter. So we'll move over to Instagram. Uh, well, we actually have three, which is miraculous because sometimes we get none on Instagram. So we'll start with at Friendly Sparpod, who said, This is without a doubt my favourite Mel Brooks film. Almost every single line is quotable without trying to be, and everyone's performance is flawless. The songs are brilliant, and the attention to detail with the comedy is superb. Also, can we get some love for young Dave Chappelle? We have at Hello World Fan 128 who said, He has one more shot! Which he does, because Robin Hood does have one more shot. Uh, it's in the script. 
And finally, we have Anita from the Unexceptionals podcast. This is at Anita N Cubed, who said, Oh my God, I love this film with a heart eyes emoji. We don't have any comments on Facebook. Um, and that is basically it for your Robin Hood Men in Tights comments. However, like I say, I do know that a lot of people, especially on Twitter, are really, really excited to hear this episode. And obviously they didn't want to comment, which is fine. I just hope that you all really enjoy the episode anyway. And obviously thank you to everyone, all four of you, who did provide comments for Robin Hood Men in Tights. There's a lot about this movie that really makes me chuckle. And you know, sometimes you don't need a movie that speaks to political or social changes. You just need one that really makes you laugh. My sense of humour is admittedly not the most sophisticated out there, out there uh, it's a bit puerile to be honest and what can I say this is the humour that I find funny and no I'm not sorry just a couple of examples of things that I really love the hey blinkin a blinkin line <laughs> it's making me laugh just thinking about it but that always gets me the fact that the prince's mole moves around on his face the blinking fix your boobs you look like a bleeding picasso in fact anything to do with blinking just blinking in general blinking actually watch him really closely because he's actually really good at acting blind and the other actors are really good at still leading him in the background latrines comment i touched it <laughs> yeah it's really crude and slightly sexually abusive but, you know, Rottingham would have attempted something with Marion had she not had her chastity belt, which is an Everlast. Rottingham's real name being Mervyn, uh, which actually isn't funny. It's a perfectly fine name. But I find it funny because the movie finds it funny. And the one thing I picked up for the first time actually watching this movie in preparation for this episode. So when Robin is singing, the night is young and you're so beautiful, they're behind a white sheet. Robin reaches the crescendo of the song and his sword gets more and more erect as the song kind of finishes. And the, the song finishes with it pointing up and all of, the, all of the merry men are clapping and cheering. When he realizes it's up, he pushes it back down. It is a great visual gag, but I've missed that every other time I've watched this movie. Again, it's not the most sophisticated gag, it's an erect penis gag, but it works. It works to make me laugh. Is this a landmark in comedy? No. But, you know, to me, this is kind of up there with the best Robin Hood movies, which says something, I'll admit, I've not seen every single Robin Hood movie. I've fully admitted to being a huge fan of the Walt Disney Robin Hood, which I've obviously already covered, as I said, on this podcast. But I really love those two versions of Robin Hood. To me, they are the best versions of Robin Hood. And let's face it, the legend of Robin Hood really did have it coming. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Robin Hood Men in Tights. If you loved this episode, you can help Verbal Diorama grow and be noticed by others by doing one of the following things. You could tell your friends or family about this podcast. You could help them download it if you want. You could leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast. The best places to do this are Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. The other thing you can do, which is really, really easy, is you can like or retweet posts on social media. That always helps me as well. If you do like this episode of Robin Hood Men in Tights, you might also like one of the following episodes. 
episode 44, A Knight's Tale. And I kind of chose that because it is a very similar kind of vein of comedy. It's obviously set in medieval times. <laughs> it looks very similar and it's really funny. And it recently celebrated its 20th anniversary. And it's such a wonderful, fun, uplifting film. A slightly anachronistic, but you know, most things are. So yeah, please, Check out A Knight's Tale uh, if you like this. Episode 54, Galaxy Quest, because if we're talking about parodies, then one of the greatest parodies of all time was Galaxy Quest ripping off of Star Trek. It is actually a great Star Trek movie in its own right, even though technically it's not a Star Trek movie. But it's so wonderful and faithful and shows so much love to Star Trek uh, and to the fans of Star Trek that, yeah, if you've not seen Galaxy Quest, I would recommend that. Obviously, obviously, I'm going to recommend episode 60, The Princess Bride, because it's great. Who doesn't like The Princess Bride? I do know people who don't like The Princess Bride and boo to them. And of course, episode 83, Disney's Robin Hood from 1973. It's got foxes, guys. <laughs> Robin Hood's a fox, literally and figuratively a fox. And it's one of the truly great Disney movies of the 70s. Obviously, give me feedback. Let me know what you think of my recommendations. The next episode is, I'm not gonna lie, an epic team up. It's basically the first movie where a bunch of heroes get together, despite their differences, to defeat an evil horde. I am, of course, talking about the Monster Squad. It's the classic Universal Monsters against a group of kids, plus Frankenstein's monster, and it is a stone-cold classic. And I'm not just saying that because the monsters are dead. Join me next week to discuss the Monster Squad. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can tell you, though, that as this episode is being released, in a couple of days' time, I am going to be appearing at Livestream for the Cure. Links will be all over social media. And during that, I am actually going to announce what's coming for episode 100. So if you want to know, obviously patrons already know, but if you want to know, then tune in to Livestream for the Cure and I will tell you what's coming. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. If you wish to support the show financially, you can do so and you're under no obligation at patreon.com slash Verbal Diorama. Tiers start at $2 a month. You get exclusive episodes. As I said, there is an episode on WandaVision coming. You know, you get early episodes. You get all sorts of perks. I'm actually giving away some freebies to patrons at the moment. So patrons get free stickers and fridge magnets just for basically being patrons. So if you do want some freebies, then sign up. Every tier gets freebies and I will send them to you in the post. As always, a massive thank you to the patrons. They are Simon E, Sade, Hardy L, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Jason, Kristin, Kat, Andy, Mike, Griff, Luke, Emily, Michael, Matt, Scott, Mark, and Brendan. The night is young and you're all so beautiful. I do have a merch store. It's teespring.com slash stores slash verbal diorama. You can buy merch if you want. You can email me verbaldiorama at gmail.com. You can pop over to verbaldiorama.com and say hi that way. Or you can pop over to Film Stories. I've recently released an article on the Mitchells versus the Machines. 
I am really, really interested in doing that for the podcast. I'm actually probably going to do it for Rotoscoperama, to be honest. But I love The Mitchells versus The Machines. Please check out that movie and check out the article that I wrote as well as the magazine as well. Buy a copy. Support independent publishers. And as I said, I'm taking part in a charity live stream on the 22nd of May at 3pm UK time. So that's two days after this episode goes live. If you're listening to this after the 22nd of May, then I'm sorry, you've missed out. We are raising money for live stream for the cure. Basically, it's been created, this is the fifth year, by Nicholas Haskins. And I want to take the opportunity to let Nick tell you about live stream for the cure. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the 5th Annual Livestream for the Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the Livestream for the Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. Finally. We're men, we're men in tights. We roam around the forest looking for lights. We're men, we're men in tights. We run from the rich and give to the poor, that's right. We may look like sissies, but watch what you say or else we'll put out your lights. We're men, we're men in tights. Always on guard, defending the people's rights. La 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 we may look like 